Save the all of my crown and coat, bro. Hold this bitch with cash. She's hanging around. I know that you mess up. I know that you kiss her. Yeah, they call me family guy. Cause she let me fuck up. So did her sister. Okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. You what's going on, y'all? It's Cashman California. Pod is good and all the time. If you know, you know. If you don't, you will learn. Welcome back to episode eight. Episode eight of the pod is good podcast. How y'all been? How y'all been? It has been um very good for the show in our opening few episodes we've covered a lot of ground we've covered a lot of music ground some political ground some cultural ground some sports i mean we we getting into it we're getting into it and so far my guests have been bringing a lot of interesting perspectives and angles and and the dialogue has been incredible even the people in the chat i appreciate all of y'all because y'all have been keeping things moving as well it's great having you in the chat um getting an outside view because we you know i mean it was still at the end of the day there's only two minds in the midst of this conversation in the studio but the world you guys provide a whole new background a whole new vantage point of ideas or thinking and so that really helps the show it really helps the show. It gives it uh, a much deeper level. So we appreciate that involvement. We will continue to stay tapped into the chat to make sure we answer all questions. We engage with everybody. Um, and whether you are listening uh, audio on Apple podcast, or you are watching this on YouTube or any other place that we are streaming, welcome. Welcome to the pod is good podcast once again i'm your man cashmere california and we have another great guest today i'm waiting for him to get to the studio you know he had to fly all the way in from london town i don't know why every time i say london i have to say london town i don't know why i honestly couldn't even tell you where i got that from like where was the first place that i actually heard london town and and i just I just locked in, you know what I mean? I just stayed with it. And so now every time I, I, I introduce this guy to any of my friends, I always say London town. I, he didn't even say that. He's actually from London and he never says that. So where did my American mind get that every time I speak of London, I need to say London to, I don't know. I don't even think it's a good accent when I say it. There's a lot of things wrong with me saying London town, but watch when he comes on, I'm probably going to do it again. I'm probably going to do it again. Now I have to do it again just because I said it, but if I didn't say it, I probably would have did it again anyway, just because London town. I don't know. I don't know. I, I need to make sure that when I get to London for the first time, I was actually invited to this guy's wedding, but wasn't able to make it. Um, shame on me but i have a feeling that when i finally do make it i got i gotta make sure i don't keep saying london to, they might not even like they might just it, matter of fact if you in london i apologize if, if i'm saying anything that's you know what i'm saying that's offbeat if you listen to it like yo we don't say that 
Matter of fact, we're trying to get rid of that stigma. Even if you know exactly where I got it from and you're just trying to get rid of it. And then here comes some new guy bringing back the London town again. <sighs> My apologies, y'all. My apologies. I don't mean anything bad by it. Um, I got nothing, you know, nothing but good to say about it since I've never been. Now, now I'm going to talk to my guest about it because, of course, growing up in London, I believe he grew up in South London. So shout out to South London. Boop, 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 boop. Um, you know, he's told me some stories that are pretty interesting, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. I'll, I'll let him I'll let him get into that. And as we wait, as we wait for the guest to get here, um, let's real quick talk about the upcoming NFL season, if you're interested in that. Now, everybody knows, if you know me, my team is the Dallas Cowboys. That's my number one team. I got that team from my dad. Don't hate on me. Every every young boy should get a team from his dad. You know, you grow up, maybe you start to venture out and have your own team. But, you know, uh, most young men uh, tend to gravitate towards the uh, sports, number one, the, the actual sport, that their father loves and watches. Um, and then on top of that, what teams he loves and watches. And that's not how it goes all the time, which is fine. But for the most part, that's how it is. So um, coming out of Missouri, pretty much everybody in Missouri, when I was um, younger, and I guess when my dad was younger as well, they kind of went for the Chiefs or the Cowboys or uh, the Chicago Bears, and my dad just happened to be a Cowboys fan. So Cowboys is my number one team. My brother, who I lost when I was 16, lived in Kansas City. So the Kansas City Chiefs have been my number two team, all right? You, when you see this hat, number one, I just like hats, right? I just like fly gear, so I don't care if it's the Dolphins, Bears. It don't matter. Red Sox, if it's, if it's fly, I'm wearing it deal with it but as cashmere california i try to find a way to represent all california teams across the board i want to know from y'all in the chat eventually if, if if it's not right now but i uh as as the season gets closer i want to know what up mike i see you i see you in the chat brother my man dub city tapping in i see you um i do want to know who who's your favorite team i know dub city's favorite team because we rivals. But I do want to know, you know, what's your favorite team? Who you got this year? Even if it's not your favorite team, just who do you think is going to win it all? You think, you know, Mahomes is going to do it again? You think it's hurt season? You think your team made enough ch uh, changes in the draft to where you might change your division and maybe your conference and it's going to look different with your team? Let us know. Let us know. Because we, when the season starts, we're going to get into that. Oh, please believe. I got some football fanatics around me, and we are going to get into that. With no further ado, I do see, I do see my um, my guest in the in the, in the studio. Just walked in, just touched down. I'm not gonna say from where because I just said it, and 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 I, I'm I, I don't, anyway. <laughs> this is like one of my favorite guys on the planet. I know our conversation is about to be incredible, incredible. He is uh, 
one of the greatest producers that I've ever met. He is top-notch DJ, the DJ I call for all of my events here in the Los Angeles area. He is um, a real estate broker and extraordinaire. He does some of the most incredible visuals to sell real estate properties out here in Southern California, top-notch, elite-level, supreme. If you, I'm telling you. This guy is a man of many hats. Not only a man of many hats, but he wears them well. You know, some people like have a lot of hats, but all the hats falling off and a little dingy. He wears the hats very, very well. With no further ado, my guest for episode eight is my man, the one and only <laughs> DJ Dodge. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Family? I'm good. Are you reading me? Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. You're a little choppy. What you out in the woods? Yeah, no, no, I'm in the backyard, man. I'm in the backyard. Okay, okay. You see a little yeah. bit of gym gear, gym gear back there. Get your work on. <laughs> I see. Let, let I me see. know if uh, these are sounding good. Yeah, you sound good, but you are your your video is a little choppy. Matter of fact, Dub City and anybody else in the chat, let me know if that's just on my end or what it looks like on your end is. DJ Dodge's video, um, is it is it fluid or is it a little choppy so we can make some adjustments uh, before we get the party started? I didn't know if you was going to go with your government or not, so I said DJ Dodge, but my oh, man, good. Roger Drakes. Yeah, I, I actually signed in as Roger Drakes, and, you know, that's, as you know, that's a whole, you know, yep. there's a whole story behind all that, so yep. let's get into it, man. Let's, let's, let's talk. You know <laughs> <laughs> one, one, you know, thank you, thank you for the intro, beautiful intro, and um, what one of my favorite things to do in life, especially since meeting you back in two thousand and eight ish, yeah, is is, com is conversate, mm. you know, because you're yeah. one of the you're one of the most uh, cerebral thinkers I know, you know what I mean? Like, thank like, you, like, like, you you don't speak un unless it runs through a certain. A, a couple of a couple of even if it's a quick checks like like AI, a couple of quick checks of <laughs> of, 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 of a thought process that I truly value and trust, which Respect. is rare because you know because you know a lot of people they 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 speak and then they think about what what no I didn't yeah. quite mean that you mm. know what I mean no I, I like I like that's one of the things about you that's that's admirable and inspirational. Respect. I appreciate so, yeah. that, bro. I appreciate that. I appreciate your time being here. Yes, we have some some amazing conversations uh, so i felt it only right to uh to get you on so we can do it once again um once again but uh you know for i, I do want to start off because uh, i realize i haven't been doing this i've kind of been treating my guests like everybody knows them instead of kind of giving them some kind of foundation of the history of of, of my person that that i have on on set with me today um dub city says choppy vid but audio is straight uh shout out to dj dodge appreciate it appreciate it podcast let's go all right my man roger drake's pod is good all the time and all the time all the time pod, pod is, is good good mm. so with that being said I told everybody already that you were from London town. 
So let, let, let's let's get, give people a brief synopsis of of your journey uh, from London to the state so they can, you know, at least know a little background of Mr. Drake's. Yeah, like 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 young Kashmir said, uh, London town came here in 07, which is coming up for, I believe, 17 years, I believe, if my math is right. Um, moved from straight from London came you know traveled to a few other cities around America just to get a feel and then LA felt like uh, a great mix of like a country living if you if you so choose but also had accessibility to all the city life and all the action and at at the time action was music Hmm. DJing DJing and music production that's what I considered action at the time yeah um you know, and obviously, as you know, California, Los Angeles or Hollywood is a great place for media, music, uh, creating content, all that good stuff. So so that's why I chose L.A. over Atlanta and over even New York. New York just felt like London to me. Mm. Interesting. Because, you know, New York is a especially Manhattan. It's a concrete jungle. And that's where, where I was as such. So I thought I'm not moving there. <clears throat> um, went to Miami and that just felt like being on vacation permanently <laughs> you know I mean that makes sense yeah so la la was the choice and I, I also had a friend here as well i had one person here from london who i knew so i thought okay fine yeah and and, and you know i'm here so so, so so that in itself is a success that's a fact because immigration isn't a joke you have to go through so many hoops so many hurdles you have to you have to conquer um then you have to find a career you have to get income from scratch <clears throat> and i knew i knew even though i had a reputation in the uk and europe for doing music and what i had done yeah zero here in america <clears throat> yeah yeah and the reason the reason for that is i don't know if people know but uh back in the day when music was when music used to be released it was released territorially territorially what's hmm. the word man i got you we, we understand you got, you got the word right, you. Yeah. i got you as, as opposed to now when it comes out it'll be on spotify worldwide and everyone has access the same time right immediately you know what i mean yeah. immediately when, when a when a you know when a big commercial album comes out everyone has it day day one or day two whereas back in the day it was never like that that's why you had um so america would have a release america had the the releases on the american product you know whoever it was new buster rhymes album or whatever <clears throat> that album wouldn't hit the uk as a UK release for about another five months. Mm. Um, Interesting. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And we, and we would we, we would have access to it via imports. So so literally, it would have to come in, be be flown in on a plane, uh, you know, an American copy in a shrink wrap, be mm-hmm. distributed by importers, and then hit the stores as imports. And they were like three times the price as a as a release as a as a homegrown release you know what i mean or a, a release yeah, from england from England. So even though yeah even though the labels universal warner brothers emi they all had worldwide distribution yeah they they, they would stagger the release and now okay so that bring, brings up an interesting question so mm. the 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 actual product is three times the amount you know approximately yeah. right mm. but there's this exclusive like kind of cloud around it that it came from the from the US as an import. Mm. Mm. So what did that do on 
people actually purchasing it? Did people purchase it less because it costs so much? Or did, mm. were people willing to pay that cost because it's like, yo, this is that mm. over the seas? Like, what well, what did which yeah, one well, kind of no what what it was is the DJs and the professionals, quote unquote professionals, yeah. would be the ones that would have to spend that extra money and be willing to, you know, play and push those records. Mm. And 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 if and if that push was 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 good enough and, and it worked. That's yeah. when the English label would decide. Okay, we're going to put this out. Got it. We're going. We're going to now release this as a as a Busta Rhymes new UK single. Interesting. Up up until that point, that record cannot chart in the UK charts. The the equivalent the equivalent to the UK Billboard or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Now would they up redo the 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 album like with a UK feature or something like that, or would they just put it straight out exactly how it is? But now it's a well, UK is, release. That's that's a fantastic question, and this is where I would come into play and how I made most of my money back in the day. Okay. Basically, what would happen is they would need, you know, a certain amount of people would have heard the song "Buster Rhymes Woo Ha" got you all in check. A yeah. certain amount of people, a certain amount of people would have heard the song. But in order to reissue it, then you need another story as such. You see what I mean? Yeah. Or a or a newer story, a new or a story, story that, or a story that fits a new narrative, which is Britain, a totally different culture. Yeah. So they would um, usually they, it would it would involve remixes. Do mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and and um, I yeah. was one of the fortunate ones to be a go-to for many remixes during that period of time. So. Yeah, that's what they would do. They would reissue it, and they say new new single Buster Rhymes featuring UK DJ Dodge remix or whatever as a as a yeah as a, some something to market. Yeah, market, yeah. You kind of tag it. You make it home. People right. are like, oh, okay, they they messing right. with us. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then, that's almost and then, like a, a, a what's her name? Not Adele. Um, I can't think of her name. The the one that did uh, American Boy. Mm. And then Estelle, 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 yeah. Estelle. Um, so if you know, I mean, I guess it was different because by then, like you're saying, it wasn't a territory driven release. Um, but it's kind of a similar mm. idea with Estelle. That song, American Boy, might have been mm. fine in the UK with just her, mm. but then, right, or exactly. maybe like you know, uh, Banger or somebody on you know, featured on it, but then mm. releasing in the US, throwing Kanye on it, yeah, it, it now provide exactly. that crossover exactly i get, exactly, I get yeah. it i get it yeah yeah exactly and the, and the thing is at that time features were big anyway cosines and features were big in american music but obviously being in the uk they couldn't necessarily afford to grab another superstar to put on a song to remarket a song just for britain so right. therefore the closest things they would do is obviously remixes from known or you know Brit british individuals later you would start seeing like British rap, as, as British rappers started to get more popular yeah, and, and more heat, homegrown heat rappers, yeah. you start to see, sometimes you start to see a rap artist on an American remix, you see what I mean? Uh, like, like, like now, now you'd have a, you'd have a, like a ASAP Rocky featuring, uh, you know, the top, U, one of the top UK rappers. Cause, uh, like, now, Burner, like Burner Boy. Yeah. Burner Boy is actually African, but, um, that's an American thing, see? Yeah. Once you get across the water, it's like all of it's just one 
seamless <laughs> group yeah <task>. but <laughs> the, 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 yeah the example's perfect though you see i mean whiskey yeah. and whiskey and burner boy are featured on a lot of american songs because yeah. they're huge in their own territory yeah and, th yeah. and think think about the like like the cross marketing that's going on yeah do you know I mean if you have a if you have now an american rapper who's not huge in nigeria and he comes out on a major label and they got they got money to spend or whatever and they put him on a song with burner boy all of a sudden you have two markets you got, you got two you got two continents right and you know how many africans there are you know right. I mean? even though even though most of them are probably not necessarily uh big spenders when it comes to music but there's there's definitely a lot enough right. in the stream in the streaming in yeah. streaming and they still do concerts and they they you know, oh man they hit the road it's a different ball game right. you know what I mean? that's what the money's made that's so, kind of where um, the money's always been made for real yeah. for real you know you know you know it's just terrible about my thought just now which is terrible I'm trying to think of the British version of Burner Boy, like or so, or somebody on that level. <laughs> and I, I have a guy, I have a guy's face, but his name is not coming to me. And he's he's big. He, he dated Naomi Campbell. Um, oh shoot! When it, if it's it called Naomi, let's call Naomi. She remembers. Yeah, or Naomi Campbell's ex. <laughs> he's a huge rapper, yeah. but, but there she are remember. there are unlike when I was making music in the UK, there are there are artists now, producers and. Like Labyrinth, I don't know if you heard of Labyrinth. He's a UK mm. producer, stroke artist, and okay. um, he was on the like like the re recent NBA Finals, which I just watched, twenty twenty three. They had these Escalade commercials coming up every now and then, and there's a black guy singing on on piano, or whatever. Uh, that's an English artist. That's, that's him. He's a Londoner. That's fire. That's big. That, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's big. what I'm saying. In English artists now are on another level where they do every now and then one or two penetrates worldwide and and they're on they're, uh, they're english on uh, english artist mm. on a cadillac yep in a cadillac commercial in the nba finals yep yep and it was regular the ad kept popping up all the time that's, i was watching it that's massive yeah mainstream his name's labyrinth he has a new album out and i was driving down sunset recently last few weeks and i saw the billboard for his new album coming out um so there are there are maybe four or five uk artists who are on that level like multi-millionaires yeah you know they made money that i never even dreamed of that even was in that market you know what i mean i get but, that you but know, you know that that happens with people like you uh and when i say people like you i just mean like it, it came down to a time frame in which mm. your your blessing existed where mm. sometimes you just that particular artist dj producer writer turned into this foundational block because i'm pretty right. sure a lot of those remixes that you did a lot of that effort that you put in during your run is partly why um that market got a chance to build and that crossover built and these they don't live they may never ever know you but mm. you had a part to play in right. these multi-millions and Absolutely. i know that's that's you know there's something to be said about that and so with that let's talk about that like yeah i know you've done plenty of remixes i know you've worked with plenty of stars long before you moved to the la area or moved to the united states period yep whether you want to give names or not that's on you but tell us some stories about some projects that you did maybe your first project maybe the one that had you kind of starstruck whatever whatever you whatever story you want to tell yeah, I mean, I got some good pro projects. Um, let me let me summarize it because I know we don't have all day here. But um, 
recently, within the last month, an English DJ called me from a, uh, like an online stroke digital radio station called Solar FM. They're like a soul stroke R&B radio station where a lot of old cats play a lot of old music, but they're real yeah. connoisseurs. They're real, they're real savants. They know their music and they play a lot of stuff. And he called me talking about how, actually it started with an email, then it turned into a call about he's a big fan of my work and he wants to do a two hour special just on my work. Hi. So I was, I was like, okay, you know, I, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Got those I, juices flowing. I know it did. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm flattered. I'm honored. I'm humbled. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. Um, every, every kind of emotion. Right. Um, and then he, and then he said, well, I'll, you know, we got talking back and forth and he said, what I'll do is I'll email you the playlist. Then if you could add some short stories, if you have any to, 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 to these titles, like how they came about. Cause as, cause as I just said earlier, most of my work was collaborative. Hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of it was collaborative, either remixes or productions featuring people, that type of stuff. So there was, so there was, there were a lot of stories with each song. Um, and he sent me a playlist, which had stuff in it that I'd even forgotten, literally I've forgotten these songs. Um, and then I added a couple of songs that he could use and I sent him a couple of exclusives and I put a couple of comments on them. Um, and it really was, it really, it, made, it really made me realize that a, a body of work, albeit say over a 12 year period or whatever, lives like lives forever. That's a fact. Which is, which is, which is the, one fact. of the beauties of music, it lives forever. Right. So. Of art in know, general. He, yeah, art in general, right. Yeah. yeah. So he took it, he, he covered kind of everything, but um, he, some of the points to get back to the original question were 1991, 92-ish, I was working in a record store and um, a Roland workstation came out called a W30, which was an all-in-one synthesizer workstation. But what made this one special was it was like a, it was like a, it had a sampler in it. Mm. See what I mean? Which, which, which up until that point, most of the synths, they, they, they had programmable keyboards and they had programmable drum things you could do with stuff that was already in it. But it never had a sampler that had the ability to take external sounds hmm. and manipulate them. See what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Samplers, samplers were around. You know, Akai 950, uh, Akai 1000. This was yeah. before M. This was before MPC. Before the MPC. Yeah? Right, just before the MPC. The Akai sampler uh, evolved into the mpc right right which was a which was a collaboration between akai and a, and a drum machine maker called roger lynn funny enough my roger his name is roger yeah. lynn who who uh create who was involved in the creation of a lynn drum which was a basically the these these instruments were uh like real kind of big moments in music equipment cre creation just just like moog See what I mean? Yeah. Like, like when people think Moog, they think of a sound. It's a Moog. It's a, it's a, it's a sound. Yeah. But there was, but there was somebody who, you know, developed that technology and, you know, created the first Moog and then tied up with Roland and the Moog machine came out and that, that's all over the seventies funk, all over. Yep. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So basically, so basically, yeah. At the time, I see I've, my train of thought just went. What was I saying? At a, yeah. At the time, the equipment. Yeah. Yeah, you, <laughs> you were saying, yeah, <laughs> you, you, were, you were talking about projects, and so he was saying that he brought up 91, 92, or 90, yeah. was 92, 93. Oh, yeah. So, so, yeah, I was in the record store, yep, 
the Roland came out uh-huh. and then I, I copped it and one of my boys copped it and we both started practicing and working on beats. Okay. And learning how to make music production. Getting and then and now yeah, now was exactly. that was that your first piece of production yeah. equipment? Yeah. Okay, so the Roland, what was it? Roland what? Roland W30. The Roland W30. That's DJ Dodge's first piece of production equipment that launches yeah. his career, right? Exactly, yeah. Love and it. it's crazy. It's crazy how you could be talking and your your your, your mind and your train of thought can go, but all, but but you can remember intricate details and numbers right. from yeah. like 30 years ago. It's mad, it's right? It's crazy. It's crazy. <clears throat> so anyway, um, I left the record store and I started working in a room with a friend. And then basically we started not cooking up beats and, you know, sampling because of we were DJs and we love records. As I said, I was in a record store. Right. We, we, we love music. And we heard all these sounds on these 99% American records that, we, that blew our mind. Yeah. So, this is, so, so this is all the, all the funk, the soul, the jazz, you know, whatever good was around stuff. then. Yeah, all the good stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then we started manipulating stuff and just sampling like, like all producers were doing in that period you know what i mean yeah yeah we were, in, we were inspired by pete rock and large professor lord finesse um diamond d you know what i mean yeah like like the early 90s new york producers uh who were something this is kind of i guess a little bit before dre bust out i guess but then obviously later on you know just hip-hop sampling producing looping dude, it was dude before they before they um changed the the the, the sampling laws the, mm. the copyright yeah. laws do I, yeah. I remember going back and listening to i mean not listening but uh reading you know we, we used to read the artwork in the album you open up mm. to see who did what and you know there might be mm. lyrics in it there might be photos you know we were all into it back in in the day when they they did production on that level but mm. i remember looking at a tribe called quest album and the 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 um sampling credits mm. were it, it might have been like nine samples in mm. a song i'm mm. like mm. Oh, nine yeah. samples but but it was big it was like you're mm. you're trying to pull from the richness that you find in these like you said these blues these jazz records that give it this feel these funk mm. records and that's mm. what gave hip-hop its tone mm. you know what i mean that that's that's a big reason why even though you know there's there's a greater dynamics and more brilliance in in the sound um that that's created now because you know the sounds are more developed and digital that it's hard to recreate the 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 energy and the and the depth of mm. the sounds that they had for music in the 90s because it was pulled from so many rich places i i, I mean i say it's impossible to even recreate that richness that, that's yeah. that's why that's why like you said tribal quest records sound so great you know they hit so great to us because of they were taken from like blue note samples and all these old jazz records and you know that were recorded recorded in a different way in a different time using different techniques and yeah, yeah. so yeah agreed music has definitely changed a lot and um it's funny the the digital revolution or evolution is definitely part of the story for me because of um, I, I get. I guess I could say it, it wasn't positive as far as the changes that came, uh-huh. um, because of over the over the years. I don't want to don't want to skip a big part, but basically over the years, um, as the 
MP3s got introduced, and yeah. then and then um, you know at, all all the time access was becoming easier. Like like the the like for example, when I got into music, the MPC sorry the the W30 I spoke of was like about twenty five hundred pounds mm. back then. So even into the, today's money, that'd probably be like five seven grand. That's you that's, know, a, that's a big right? investment. Exactly. So, and and there were and there was there were so many other pieces you had to get together in order to become a music producer and actually produce something and get it out. You know, you had to you had to. Whereas now, you just you don't need anything. You everything's free. Everything's you, free. You you literally could just if you got a laptop, you you can you can become it. You know, right. Any and it's it's, it's funny you say that. It's first time I thought about the <laughs> fact that when you said everything's free, it reminded me that well literally everything's free from the production side to the mm. product side because you know you, you're paying for streaming sometimes like if you're going mm. through spotify or mm. apple music but if you're you know dealing with pandora or something you might be streaming for free people people can still get what you could slave hours on for free for free and and, 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 and enjoy it and look at the difference. It's like I wonder: is there a relationship between somebody like you spending what would in American money, like you said, would be maybe like five, seven thousand dollars on a piece mm. of on one piece of equipment mm. to try to create music? So imagine, you know, the as we know, the fifty, eighty, two hundred thousand dollars studios mm. full of equipment back then and more. Mm. It's like. They, they, you couldn't just give music out for free. It cost so much to get there. It was mm. impossible. But now, <laughs> it, you know, the, the value of even creating it mm. has also, I, I can't say it changed the value of, of the purchase because I feel like with LimeWire and whatever else, I feel like the, 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 the chicken or the egg was kind of before the chicken in that situation because it mm. felt like the price of music went down mm. before the production cost of music went down. Mm. But yeah, but but that is an interesting relationship. It used to be yeah. expensive to make it; you had to pay yeah. for it. Now it's free to make it. Music's free. Mm. That's kind. Of, I think that's kind of what changed it a lot. Like I said, MP3s, and there was the whole Napster thing, yep. where every where everybody was able to get stuff for free, <clears throat> and then it trickled through. And obviously, then it got to a point where the labels were losing money and panicking about these changes that they weren't able to keep up with. Then right. they, they, then they, it. yeah, then they, then. Me, me, who was a like a recipient of the benefits of music being expensive, because yeah. I used to get paid to do the work I did from the labels or whatever. Yeah, that changed. So it got to a point where they didn't want to pay anymore. They were they they start they went from we'll pay you and if we use it great to do it for do it for nothing and if we like it we may pay you. Uh, and a smaller that's a big amount. difference. It, it went from ten. It went from ten grand, twelve grand for one job back then down to maybe 1500 if you're lucky if you're lucky yeah. if you're lucky yeah so so that 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 it was that point more or less around that point is when i kind of decided i was leaving and coming to america to try and see if there's a bigger pool, pool of places to to place music and um it's funny when i talk talk like this about the industry don't get me wrong there's still a lot of money being made oh yeah you see what I mean? More. There's still a right, exactly. <laughs> There's still a lot of money being made, even more. Yeah. It's just that I don't. I think personally, I I never pivoted or you know changed quickly enough yeah. personally in order to in order to catch that train. Yeah. No, I, I don't. 
I, I know exactly what you mean. And well, actually, we we will get into that. We will get into that. Uh, right. That that change of the times. But before we leave it, because I don't feel like we dug enough into the moment, I want to sit down mm. with. Well, hold on. When you when you got the role in, were you known as DJ Dodge then? Uh, you, no. You already no. DJ. So you were no. DJ Roger. What was the name then? Well, no, I, I actually I actually was Dodge then. You were Dodge then. So 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 I was Dodge without the DJ. And what happened was the record store I worked in. Mm-hmm. I was I was Roger Drake's. That's my government name. And the guy I worked with, who was the owner of the store, was a Cockney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know what Cockney is, is Cockney is like a it's a, it's a London rhyming slang, you know, developed in East London, but spread to the whole of London. And eventually it spread to the whole of Britain where everyone had a, had a, a kind of a sound of raw London, but they replace words. They change words. Mm. They, they use different words for different things. So I mean, like, like stairs is apple and pears. It's like a rhyming slang. It's like, um, so, so Cotney is yeah. like London's version of E40. Yes. <laughs> exactly 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 got it precisely got it and and it, and it, and it was and, this, it. and cockney in england's like i guess from the, the 50s or 60s all the way up to now um people don't really use the term cockney anymore because everyone kind of speaks with a with a bit of the slang if you're from london but but we just don't use the words anymore because the words the words are for people my age 50 plus who remember it mm. c-o-t-n-e-y no, C O C K N E Y. Oh, Cockney. Cockney, yes, exactly. Yeah. Cockney. 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 Okay. Yeah. So you All know, right. you look look at that up, but it's interesting. It's interesting to know. But anyway, so basically the, the guy who ran the store was a was a heavy on that and he was always changing stuff. So he he called he just said, Oh, Rog, Dodge. And he would never call me my Roger. He'd just say Dodge, Dodge, Dodge every day. See what I mean? <laughs> so, so, so then the then the cust then the customers started calling me it. Yeah. Like I'm in a I'm in a store now. All the yeah. customers who come in regularly, they're like, "Hey yeah. Dodge, you got that new so and so song? You know, did did the so and so come in or whatever? Hey Dodge, there it is. so so there it is. Um, back now. Let me, let me just let me just fill in quickly one quick question you said oh, earlier because yeah. I, I don't want to miss it because otherwise it, it seems like we're rambling. Um, names. When I was when I was first DJing in the record store, all these names used to come in. Very big UK prominent DJs, okay. uh, Ju- Judge Jules, Fabio mm. Groove Rider, mm. uh, big names. You know, yeah. I'm just saying them in case people want to look them up. Whatever, Please. Um, you know the whole the whole Ibiza scene. Carl Cox, mm. who's a huge worldwide DJ, yeah, um, one of the biggest DJs in I in Ibiza and the whole techno house movement. There you go. That 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 was what was biggest in the store, by the way, techno and house. Because that was that's what was biggest yeah. in the UK at the time. Um, yeah, and uh, I, it's funny. I, I do have every now and then I do have a thought about if I'd have gone that route as far as my whole love. Yeah. I just became just became a dance music DJ because right. they because they, they did make paper back in the day. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They did. You know, they made paper. Oh, yeah. But anyway, to this, I, I to this day to this day yeah. the the house music DJs they yeah shut the place shut the place down. Exactly, yeah. but I liked um I like funk, I yeah. love funk. I I came you from followed funk, your heart. Yeah, I came from funk, soul, breakbeats, that type yeah. of stuff. So I just went there. Um, so yeah, as I as I as I said, the W thirty, we started making music, then we started working on a project, then we got a deal with Island Records. Me and the guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and go through the story just because of I've mentioned it and I don't want to miss it. 
Plus yeah, eight. no, no, all good, um, all good. As long as we get back to sitting down with that kid that got his first piece of equipment, because I want to sit down with your first remix. That, that was what we trying okay. to get back to. But go ahead. Okay. I follow okay, you. Well, go ahead. Yeah. So anyway, we all right. Yeah, I can get there. So yeah, we 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 got a deal. Me and the guy, we got mm -hmm. a deal with Island Records as uh, Dodge City Productions, which was a name we just came up with for for some reason. Dodge City. Um, Dodge, Dodge City. Bit. Dodge, Dodge City. Bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and we started working on our first album for Island Records. Now we signed to Island Records in 1990. And Island and Records was a subsidiary of who? It, at the time, it was a subsidiary of Polygram. Okay. Which is which is now what you know as Universal. Right. Right. Polygram. Polygram was the label that owned Polydor. I don't know if you remember Polydor. Um, part of basically a hundred years. You know what I mean? A major, right. a major in the game. So, yeah, and, and at the time we had two majors who were offering deals. What happened was we made a demo, one song, one demo we made. That's oh. how the industry used to be. Yeah, you couldn't do that nowadays. You'd be so lucky to get a deal off anything. But <laughs> one demo, and then one DJ played it on his radio show. He uh -huh. was on a main, mainstream radio show, and then we had about we had a, a lot of calls from there, and we had two offers, contract offers. Hmm. One was from one was from Warner Brothers at the time, UK, and then one was from Island Records. And Island yeah. Records to, to to us, sorry to cut you, Island oh, Records to, to us was like amazing because obviously, for those who don't know, Island Records is Bob Marley. Yeah, Chris Blackwell founded Island Records. He's a white guy, and one of his first signings was Bob Marley. Wow, see what I mean? Wow, so, historic. It's a, it's a historic label. That's all he um, needed to sign. He could have stopped but, right there. Yeah, that's, that's we're done. What I mean. One of them moments. Yeah, <laughs> he but 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 he didn't. He later on signed you two as well. Oh, and then they later on signed Amy Winehouse. <laughs> See, what I mean, so they've signed. They they. It's a label. It's really a label. See, what I mean, generational um, talents. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah. Yeah, so we, we were there for like three years, maybe. We had a few songs out, a couple of videos out. One album came out called Stepping Up and Out. Um, and, and then uh, stuff didn't sell, you know. Mm -hmm. and, then, and, then, and then we we, we didn't even get into beef with the label. They just kind of, labels, labels duck you when things go bad. Mm -hmm. That's how they, that's what they do. They, they don't call you to tell you a drop. There's no, you know, when you hear about an artist got dropped from the label. Yeah. There's no, there's no phone call or official. There's nothing. You just, just, you just feel it. You just feel it. You yeah. just and feel it. Like the, the energy I had yesterday. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and the A&R guy hasn't returned. He won't return your call. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you know, you've or, been, you've yeah. been erased. Yeah. Or you, or you walk into the, you walk into the label. Cause back then a lot of, a lot of, well, some of the companies you could walk in, uh -huh. you know, and the marketing people are kind of looking down a bit, you know. <laughs> you know, you're walking through you've marketing. Been and stuff. You've been, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah so that crazy. was that. That was that, and it was. It was How did that, that feel? Was that was that like a heartbreaking yeah. moment? Was that was yeah. that empowering? Like, how no, old are you in this moment? I'm I'm like twenty. I think I'm like twenty four ish. Oh yeah, yeah. 20, so that's that. That's a gut punch at twenty four. Yeah, twenty four, twenty five. Yeah. Um, just had my first kid. Oh you yeah. Know. So you you thought you thought it was lining up. Yeah. <laughs> you exactly, had to think. Exactly. You had to think. Yo, I did one joint. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah, exactly. they all want me. And I'm I just had tour. a kid. I'm I'm out of here. 
I'm on tour. I'm on tour with Jim Iroquois. You know Jim Iroquois? I remember Jim Iroquois. Yeah, right. yeah. We say I'm, it I'm, different, but yeah, I remember him. Jim Iroquois. <laughs> anyway, I'm on. I'm on tour. I'm on tour with him. You know what I mean? We're on tour with him, supporting him, like doing shows or whatever. Wow. Um, going to going to Europe, doing shows. All this oh, kind of yeah. stuff. But but then yeah, the label dropped us. How At the it? time, it felt really bad. You know what I mean? But as I said, you you um. All, all things work, all things work together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Event eventually. But so you, basically, you on a major tour with Jamiroquai. Yeah. And and out here, Jamiroquai was like, he was London music to us. We're like, oh, yeah. This is yeah. UK, all of them. Like this is the yeah. UK look. This is how yeah. they dance. This is yeah. everything. Right, right. So, so that to anybody that doesn't know, Jamiroquai back then. Yeah. I mean, this is like this is like you get signed from one song, and now you you on stage with, are you working with the baby? You on tour right, right. with with uh with uh with um Drake or somebody like you, you gotta know you gotta put yourself in the, in the heart of Dodge at the time that like yo I did one joint and I am now opening for Drake. Right. You gotta feel like I'm out of there. Like there's nothing. That's gonna stop me. I'm I'm out of here. Right. And then and then to get the gut punch of of the A and R not re not returning the call no more. To... <laughs> yeah, and I, and I, you know I'm I'm pretty sure loads and loads of artists have felt that because of obviously oh, yeah. as the years have passed by, you hear about artists all the time separating with their label and this and that and the other. And back back then it meant a lot because of. Back then, being signed mm -hmm. was everything. Yeah, everything. You know I mean? It was like the equivalent to being drafted. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And it was kind of what we just talked about with the cost of everything. It's like mm. a regular person couldn't think of. I'll just put out the next five, six albums alone. Mm. You didn't have the money to do that. You need a label to do that. You couldn't yeah. put together your own tour. You couldn't mm. call up venues. It just wasn't that back in the day. So if you didn't have the arm of the industry mm. to bring you in and walk you to success in the, in the, in mm. music. Like it wasn't going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. So if, so yeah, it felt bad at the time. And I remember like moving house at the time or something, I was moving into a, a rental or something when I got the news. And, um, but there were two, there were two reasons why it wasn't bad for long. Hmm. Okay. One was, one was, if you've ever been in a group, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Me and my partner in the group, what, what we we had, th you know, we never saw eye to eye consistently. Uh, so therefore, therefore, yeah, it was a bit, it, yeah. So therefore, it's a bit like a relationship that I, you know, I suffered as such because of we were in a deal. We we were signed. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. We had a we had a label. There were people relying on us. We had a management company. We were signed to whatever. So, so so when when I was dropped, there was that scenario which I thought I felt immediate freedom from. Because hmm. if there's no, you know, unfortunately he didn't see it the same way. He thought, oh, you know, we're a group. We don't need a label. We just we just carry on. We get another deal. We will do whatever. You know, this and that and the other. Whereas whereas in my mindset, when we were dropped, I was like, I'm out of here. 
<laughs> and, and I'm pretty sure you didn't give him a call. So then you end up doing to him what the label did to y'all. Next thing you know, right. you just wasn't really responding. Nah, to the nah, call. I, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Thank, thankfully, thankfully, even at 24, 25 years old, yeah. my, my character w was what it is now. I didn't Beautiful. do that. I didn't do that. Respect. I, I, Respect. Yeah, I, basically, I basically sat down with him and chopped it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we chopped And did, we chopped did, it he, up. did he keep going down the artist? Yeah. Route. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We both we we both loved what we did. Yeah. We you know it was just a case of not doing it together, but we both gotcha. loved what we did, so we both carried on. Um, and then that at that point, to your point about the remixes, yeah. that's where the remixes kicked in. Got it. So so okay, dope. So you covered the the growth of the artist, like the early portions of the artist. Yeah. And that artistry preceded the DJing or the yeah, or, or yeah. the the remix part because I guess yeah remixing and DJing is kind of almost right in the same space in that at that time. Yeah exactly got it okay 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 so yeah. now dope so now Dodge is kind of been through the ringer a little bit yeah he's kind of seen a little bit of the industry now he's kind yeah. of he's felt the highs and lows he's been on yeah. stage and felt the extreme love and then he's gotten the, the 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 no phone call and felt the extreme low so yeah he's he's a he's a little more acclimated to what this industry can do so now he's getting approached by major labels to do remixes yeah on okay so going back to the rolling w30 yeah right how many how many tracks if you remember how many tracks or how long does it take before you're actually on your first major remix okay so or how long is that journey did you right, do well, you do right. independent artists like tell no, us about if, that if, if, if the roland 30 was 1990 mm -hmm. or 89 at the earliest we had a we had a we had a major record deal by 90, 91. So we had a, we had a major record deal about a year after first buying the equipment. Wow! And then and then and then we were. That must have been killing. No, listen, it's there's a couple of things. But by ninety one, ninety by by ninety two, ninety three, yeah, we were about to get dropped. And by ninety four, I remixed all I need to get by. By Meth and Mary for mm, the UK. Classic. Yeah, on Def Jam. Now, Def Jam was the same label ownership wise as Island Records. Still is. Oh, they, they actually, Island Def Jam. They came together, right? I'm saying they, they came together later and called it Island Def Jam, Island but they, Def were, Jam. They, were, they were always under the same umbrella, Polygram, which Don't. is universal. Did not yeah? know that. Did not know that. Right, there you go. So the AR guy who was the same a and r guy in our in the same office yeah he knew he knew we've been dropped and we weren't doing much but he loved the sounds everyone that's the thing is sometimes the label might drop you and still love you hmm. it's just, it's, that just they, business. it's just business man they it's just business. can't you know it's like it's like when 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 nba players get traded from one team to another the the you know it doesn't mean that that player is no longer a great player you know what right. i mean Right. It, it's it's just a fit and the timing and how it works within whatever they're planning. Yeah. So um, the A and R guy loved the sound and he gave me probably my first two or three 
major label remixes, which I never really did independent remixes. I never, I never, they never, you know, one, they, one the independents didn't have much money in England. Yeah. And two, the, there was just nothing really going on. There wasn't that many independents. So, 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 so the out remixes, the gate, you major. Out of the gate, major. And I just wanted to add a, a caveat to that thought process there, which I always think to myself now when I'm working on stuff or trying to work my way into situations. Other than leaving the record store and buying the Roland drum machine and starting to program music, other than those moments, which weren't that hard because we were just having fun anyway, mm-hmm. and we were young and, young and naive, everything else, I never, ever made an effort to make it happen hmm let me let me let me elaborate interesting yeah let me elaborate just to be clear because uh yeah i don't want it to sound like i didn't work hard right i worked hard on the projects yeah you know i'll be in the studio all night you know what you do you're young you're in the studio all night you ain't married you ain't got no kids whatever or i had i had a young daughter but she was with her mom yeah Um, so whatever it takes you in yeah i'm in the studio all the time but I wasn't making an effort. I was never selling myself. Hmm. Never. Not one day. Not one day they would make a project and say to somebody, hey, what do you think of this? Young, that, young producers, young producers, listen up. I know it's a different, it's a different day. It's a different, you know, uh, way to get in and all of hmm. that. But, but trust me, there's, there's a bar in that. There's yeah, knowledge in I mean, that. There's, there, you still you got to hold on to what you know is true. You got to have, know your own value. You cannot let the world dictate it to you. And some of that happens when you're trying to sell it because you're almost saying, you know, Hey, what, like you just said, what do you think? What what, what value do you give on it? And if they say, ah, the next thing you know, you're feeling like, oh man, I guess it's nothing. But if you know, if you know what you know, you got to move on it. Exactly. And that's, that's what it was. Everything I'm, everything I was, everything I worked on and made, I liked it. If I liked it, that was it. I don't care if you buy it off me, pay me for it. I don't care what you do with it. If you want it, it's there. If you don't, you know, I never, I never had, I never had meetings trying to sell stuff. Every deal I ever signed, I signed two publishing deals over the years. Um, I signed another record deal in 2014 for another, another one of my personal projects. No, no, not 14. Cause I was here 2004. Hmm. Crazy. Yeah, 2004, which is way later, I signed another major record deal with Sony for another right. project I had. That, that's, that's, that was part of the reason why I ended up coming to America pronto, because that project just was like, they never even released it. They just signed it and gave me money. Um, but, but basically, back to my point, I never ever once had to sell, hmm. like go to an A&R meeting and, and say, hey, can you cut, want to cut a check for this? Let's you know. Let's go. It was always a phone call. We want this, or we, or can can we have this, or we, or will you do this for us? We'll pay you. And where do you think you got that from? And I guess what I'm saying is like that. That's a that's a a, a character and a, a personality. That's something inside of you that had a strong belief and had confidence in what you did. What What do you think about your your upbringing or what personally about you that you feel like you know right off the bat you're already mm. in that space it didn't take you some people that might take years of having 
big hits and this and that and the other. Mm. Now they're like, okay, no matter what you, if you like it or not, somebody's going to like it. For mm. other people that are just starting out and they really don't have a lot of stuff out there, mm. they wouldn't have that same confidence. So what do you think uh, it, it was about you at such an early age that, that had that? But I gave you that. I, I I don't know if it was anything I innately knew about. I, I'm not sure I was I was consciously aware of having any kind of confidence. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm not sure. I don't think I did. I I think I I think I was truly driven by passion. I just I just loved what I was doing and hearing. Mm. And and then and then um, there was never a financial strain. I guess. So therefore I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't need, I didn't, I guess I didn't need to have to go begging as such because of, I was making money doing a bit of DJing and a bit of this and a bit of that. However, however way it was. That's it another big one. That's yeah. another big one. Yeah. Exactly. Things were rolling and things were going, coming together. Um, because like I said, because we signed a major deal and came out the gate as an artist with, with a major deal, we had a lot. My, my name was out there, so therefore I could get DJing work all the time. Yeah, I already had. I already had the record collection. I've been in the record store for a couple of years. I've been collecting music since the early '80s or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I had. I had a huge collection of records. I was inspired by all the UK DJs as well. So I had, you know, a lot of funk, a lot of soul, a lot of house, a lot of jazz, a lot of all that stuff. Um, and I don't know. I, I it was just I I just was making decent money. So I, you move different when. It's like that, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I don't think it was confidence. I don't think it was an innate upbringing type thing necessarily, because my family, parents weren't from that background. I mean, I had support from my mother all the time. We were close. And that's what I was just about to say. I was about to say, but I know a little mm. bit about your family upbringing. I know you had mm. a strong mother. I know mm. you got a strong sister. I know mm. you had a family, and sometimes it may not be this direct uh roger you're amazing at mm. this particular thing you can do it we believe mm. in you and then you feeding into that sometimes mm. it is just the simple but but necessary foundation of love and mm. support and mm. and there's a confidence in that mm. right like like matter of fact i was just writing a, a song to to a uh, verse to one of these TikTok duets and I said um um I was taught to stay the course that's what a man does be stay uh, be fertile ground for you to grow baby that's man love it's mm. like that that's kind of you know where we stand as as husbands it's mm. like trying to be that that fertile ground for your wife to flourish for your kids to flourish and you want to be the foundation for that so it could be something that maybe you can't put your finger on because it happened at such an early age and this, mm. it was just ingrained in you, but you made a magical point that everybody should get. Do not put so many marbles in just making money in music to the mm. point where you out there looking desperate, mm -hmm. the point where you out there looking hungry, look like you eating already. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Look Absolutely, like you, you, yeah. you ain't gotta, I'm not, I'm not really about the whole, um, fake it till you make it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I had a, another song that said they used to say fake it till you make it. We changed that. Now we say um embrace it till you take it. And it's like that's a whole different view. But mm. so I'm not saying you gotta fake it, but I am saying don't wait on it. Mm. Don't wait on 
the deal. Don't wait on somebody to give you an advance for you to make money. And the rest of the time, you just kind of being a bum in so many words in the studio. Mm. And, and, and you know your money's funny. So you know the moment that they dangle it out there, you're going to mm. jump at it. And they know it too, because they know the difference in the artist that's doing good and an mm. artist that needs this. Mm. Trust me, as you know, every conversation mm. that you have with an ANR, with an exec, it ain't just mm. a conversation. They evaluating you. They they mm. analyzing you. They listening to hear what you got going on, what you don't. Oh, you got kids. Oh, okay. Oh, you got six kids. You got two baby mom. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, you you know. Oh, you still living with your mom. Oh, okay. They they hearing all that. Oh, mm -hmm. you pulled up in that. Oh, okay. Oh, that's your sister car. Oh, you don't got a. Oh, okay. And and mm. every time they find out one of them things, the number goes down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you yeah. walked in. They was gonna offer you one hundred and fifty. By the time you get done with that, they offer you thirty five. Because they like, right. they're they gonna they take. Give you what, they give you what they need to give you, and you're right. They know you're gonna take take less, or you need it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So yeah, it, that that was that was a good a good point, and that that was part of it definitely. I I had my DJing, you know what I mean, and it was fine. I I didn't really the the music was supposed to be enjoyable, and I, I often say that part of what changed, I guess, in the later years was, um. I got on a few projects where I would have an A&R directing. So it's almost like I would do something. They would like it. They'd want it. They'd call me in. I'd be the producer, make it. But then, but then A&Rs would get involved and start changing stuff or trying to change stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. That, that, would, that, would, that, would, that would happen every now and then, and that would be part of, part of it. But I, I, know, I, know, I, I know it was a passion-driven thing, and I was doing – the right thing most of the time because even when i heard 25 30 of my projects or productions in the last two or three months which is like 25 to 30 years later i listen to them and i'm jamming yeah and i think to myself i wouldn't have changed a chord a single chord i wouldn't have changed Fire. you know i heard about Fire. i heard about i heard about two mixes out of 20 where i think i could have mixed that a little better i could have made the sonics a little better but yeah. other than that the ideas you know even even the stuff me and you made me and you've worked on over the years. I listen yeah. to them and I'm like, same feeling. Yeah, this is I it. Don't know where, I don't know whether I've reached my, I don't know if I've, I've reached a, a, an apex of my creativity or whatever, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't change nothing, man. That's just yeah. all right. I like that. It's yeah, working. No, so, sometimes, you know I mean? Even if your creativity gets better, sometimes it's just like, but that's already it. Yeah, exactly. That's already it. It's like, yeah, you, somebody could probably go back and, you know, whoever pr uh, produced, you know, James Brown, get up off of that thing. Yeah, maybe mm. now or, or, or maybe 20, 30 years after that point, they got a little more creative. They got a few more, you know, tricks of the trade. They've learned some things. Mm. They could probably make the song even better in that moment. But at the end of the day, what they did right there, mm. done. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's, it's, you know, it's done. And, and you, you know, you, you kind of threw it out there, you know, a little, a little haphazardly, but you said that you worked on an mm. iconic, classic, a, a, a legendary song. Mm. To, to a lot of us, when we think about a rapper and an R&B artist doing a collaboration, mm. this is the crescendo. This is the top of the mountain. Mm. I still remember the rooftop video. I remember meth. Walking mm. around doing his thing, I remember mm. Mary's in the cut, just rocking to the music. Mm. Them sitting next to each other, 
what was it like working on that song at that mm. time for you? Yeah, I mean, it was always crazy because remember the the, the territorial releases yeah. I spoke of? Um, by the time I get the project to work on, it's already a hit on like yo mtv raps yeah or wh whatever whatever was out you know it's, it's yeah. already out there Sad in the world. Five, Freddy. right it's already out there so it's i already know it's a smash i already knew method man and mary were stars you know what i mean yeah based on based on their their own personal project um so it was always great because back then you would get you'd get a copy of the tape of the tapes which were two inch analog tape Yep, it, cha it, cha it changed very quickly after that but at that time i remember distinctively in 93 94 it was a two inch tape so you get this huge box two of them sometimes of all the all the parts all the parts mm. so I, I, I would i would get all the vocals um every piece of vocal all the instrumentation everything because everything was recorded and printed right. most of the time every now and then you would get a tape where oh there's no drums on it because that means that they just basically uh ran the drums live when they were mastering it but a bit deep to for people who don't know studio talk but that would mean that every everything would run in sync in a studio yeah so imagine every, everything's you know the, the the tapes running with the voices on it and then the computers running the instrumentation or, or whatever midi information's being ran yeah. keyboards At the box, yeah. uh different sounds samples are running <clears throat> but only what you print becomes part of the finished master hmm. see what i'm saying yeah so so every now and then i would get a master tape where there would be bits missing but that was fine with me and the reason that was fine with me is because uh i was a producer who did remixes i wasn't a remixer and a, hmm. i wasn't a d i wasn't a dj remixer yeah i was a producer who did remixes right Right. There's a distinction, a huge that's distinction. That's a very different. Very right, different. exactly. Because I know I know about chord structure, I know about key, um, I know how to manipulate tempo in a in a way that a DJ couldn't through time stretching, which nowadays is super simple. But not back then, time stretching was a was a huge deal. Time yeah. stretching is where I take, say, Mary Mary and Method are rapping at 94 BPM, but I want to do I want to do a production that is 99 BPM, so slightly faster. Or or say I go extreme, say I want to do a house version and I want to mm. go, I, I want to go 128 BPM. How do you make Mary J and Mepha's vocals sound like they're not min, Minnie and Mickey Mouse? Right. You know, you don't um, want the Alvin and the Chipmunks version. You don't want Alvin and the Chipmunks, right. Exactly. So, yeah. so, so back then it was a thing called time stretching mm. where you basically pitch up the vocal, and it does its thing. And back then it was glitchy. It wasn't perfect. Nowadays it's perfect. Yeah, now, it's, you, now you click it and it's done. Yeah, two seconds. Back then you had to whole process it and do the thing. And most of the times, I, as, as I said, I'm a producer who's doing remixes. And most of the time I'm thinking of a way that not only can I uh, add flavor, UK flavor, whatever they want to the work, but also how can I put a, tell a different story on this song? Hmm. See what I mean? How, without ruining it, because that's important. Yeah, yeah. You could you could you could enhance it. It's either two ways. You could enhance it, make it better, or you could make it worse. To me, there's there's really no middle ground. And now is so, that is there more pressure in that process because you know they're stars and it's a hit, 
or do you feel less no. pressure because you feel like it's already stars on it? It's probably going to be a hit because yeah. of them, so let, let, it makes yeah. it easy. Yeah, less pressure because of you have a you have. That's what I'm saying. Because I didn't do the independent and the smaller name artists. Yeah, I had less pressure because I knew that people, you know, it was just a case of don't mess up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 I and I was confident. I still am actually in in that in that world. I'm still confident. Oh yeah. I still oh, yeah. I, I, I listen to the beats and I always think I could do a better song than that. Right. You know what I mean? Reality yeah. may not. Yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? The, rea- the reality may not even be all that true sometimes. But as as you said, confidence ultimately starts with a feeling. And and I always felt that any 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 beat I touch or any job I get, I'm a, I'm a oh man. I, I used to look forward to oh Mary J Blige. I be rubbing my hand. You know what I mean? I'm gonna put some like some like uh like my, minor sevenths, which was my one of my favorite kind of chord movements, which is a jazzy vibe, because mm. I because I love jazzy soul. Yeah, so yeah. Therefore, I, I that's that's how I kind of ended up in the more neoclassic soul realm of work because I was doing a lot of I did a lot of those eyes because of I guess I just loved jazzy soul and it it just kind of came back. So I so I did Jill Scott, Erica Badu, Eric Benet, um. D'Angelo, <laughs> Myron. There was a few, like quite a few names from that that, that, that's, that era. That's a, that's a list of heavy hitters right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some of my, some of my biggest work that came out was those people. Jill Scott. I did a Jill Scott remix of "A Long Walk," oh. which was which was one of her songs, and I and I completely flipped it. And that was that was the first remix that I'd done from the UK that came out had an american release mm. one day one day um that was your first even, one yeah they didn't they don't they didn't tell me because they didn't i'm a nobody i guess but I, I was in new york one time and i'm in tower records or somewhere like that and i'm going through the, all the imports and i pulled out the jill scott a long walk remix package on 12 inch single dj dodge uk remix <laughs> I've, and I've got it. I don't know where it is. It's you were good. like, "Yo, yeah, it's on, it's online somewhere." But yeah, I was like, "Man, I was that." You telling everybody in the store? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. Me. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yo, yo, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And uh, because that because that's how it works. You know, don't forget, you do a remix in the UK. They're sending copies. They're sending dats and listen versions back to the American offices. Right, right. But um, but I did I did two mixes on it, and I spent a lot of time, and I changed the tempo and everything. And I did one that was a, like a, it was like a sneaky version of. Where is it online? Come and keep, keep come going. And, yeah, like come and talk to me, which was a Jodeci. Mm, Jodeci. Yeah, and I had that in the background. I had one of my friends come and sing like a ghost in the background. Yeah, it's it's online. A long walk. If you put either DJ Dodge remix or or. Oh, I, see, oh, I see Jill Scott. A long mm. walk Dodge remix. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna oh, play oh. it. Tell me, can you hear it? Okay, listening, listening. I can barely hear anything, and I can't share it. Is it playing? Yeah, I, I can't hear anything on my. Yeah. No, not a thing. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, they're they're out there for you know for people who care. Like I said, one one guy called me up the other week and he he cared very much. So he did a whole show playing all this stuff. Um, so yeah, that so that was the remix period. After after that, and you, know, you got that. sorry, you got um, you actually got Joe to see in it. No, I hear it. 
No, it's not. It's not. Oh, oh, is that? That's not Jonasu. That's my boy singing. Oh, okay, okay. I'm like, I hear the sing. Okay, so you had someone seeing the Jodeci come and talk yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah, you, yeah, you did flip it. That sounds completely, completely right. different. But it's got a vibe. It's got a, yeah. and it's got and that it, one instrument that, that I always hear. Um, uh, Stevie Wonder play. It sounds like that. That that Wurlitzer. Okay, sound. probably yeah, probably most of most of my sounds or a lot of the sounds I I love to choose and use were classic funk soul sounds, Clav clavinets, Wurlitzers, Rhodes, you know, uh, Fender Fender jazz bass, all those kind of old sounds. Because uh, like I said, I was a I was a student of funk soul, and yeah. then then I was a student of like Pete Rock, and <clears throat> Tribe Called Quest, and all the old cats. So yeah, so it was dope. Yeah, so after. Around right, that so period, just then, in case anybody wants to search it, I can't play it because I don't want to get it taken down. But mm. this is this is the cover. If you search Jill Scott, a long walk, Dodge remix, soul part mm. one, part one. <laughs> they yeah, used to always do part one. That's because I, I did a part two, a whole different remix. Got you. I, so, I yeah. did too. And that, check and it out. Me, check me, it out, Joe. Check me, it out. Let me, let me, yeah, and let me just caveat why I did part one and part two. That was the thing. I knew I had a big artist to work on, yeah? Uh -huh. And there's no way I'm missing or messing up. Oh, yeah, I see right. the cover. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah there's, no, there's no way I'm missing or messing up. So I would sometimes, like, the label would call me to do one remix, and I'd give them two back. Mm. See what I mean? Just to make sure. Yeah, just to make sure. And, and say so they're both dope. Use both if you want. If not, and most of the time, they're not sure of themselves, so they just use both. Right. Let's face it. Let's face it. Labels don't really know. They're just some. They don't know. They exactly. They're just some person who's the gatekeeper, but they don't really know. So, so they put both, and then both came out on a twelve-inch single, which I have somewhere in my collection. Fire. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, a lot. So a lot more remixes. A lot more. You know, a lot more remixes. Work production. I'm. I'm basically collecting all the the revenue from it as well, because at the time they used to pay well. You know I mean, and that's how I ended up owning property in the UK. Uh, and that that and that was my first taste that of paper. Yeah, that was my first taste of property. I bought my first property at say twenty eight. I think I was first so, property at twenty eight. Yeah, in the UK. Okay, so I mean that sounds like a good transition into your your new life as mm. as the the upcoming real estate mogul, as it were. Mm. Uh, I. I, there's you have such a rich history in music. I honestly feel like we could spend the whole episode talking about <laughs> just music. But mm. I I, I want to transition, but but out of the transition, because I ask every guest a top five question, mm. and so since you have uh, brought it up, did I move my camera? I think I did when I was trying to play. I moved mine to try and get it out of mine out of the sun. Um, the thing, just temperatures freeze, you know what I mean? Got you. But we're good, yeah. we're good. Some, somehow my camera. There we go. Um, so I want to know. Um yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I was deciding which way to go if I want to go the top five, uh, your top five remixes, mm. um, or if I want to go your top five uh funk albums i think i'm gonna go there because that's a little more universal so if you could 
and, and it doesn't have to be albums. It could even be groups. Let's do that. Let's do mm. top five. Mm. Oh, I got it. Top five funk groups to sample. There you go. Okay. There you go. Specialized just for DJ Dodge. Okay. Top five, and it doesn't have to be ones that you actually sampled or not. Mm. But top five, you feel like yo, if I if I only had five records mm. or five groups and their records, mm, yeah, to sample to 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 make the rest of the hits for the rest of my days, yeah. it would have to be these groups, these bands. Who okay. is top five? Um, okay, I, I'm gonna name them just to keep it simple. It's a very very it's a very difficult question because of just to give it some context. In sampling terms, if you if you go online, for example, and you listen to Kanye West samples on Spotify mm -hmm. or Dr. Dre samples, people have put together playlists of all their samples, all their hits, all their it's all there. You can hear it all. Yeah. And what your what your notice is, there's such a wide array of projects that they sample from. Yeah, yep. Like from hot from from obviously from funk and soul to indie to to, to rock. You know, uh, all over the place, and 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 a lot of the and a lot of the projects they sample from weren't even hits. Hmm. Yeah. See what I mean? That, that usually gets you some of the best samples because it's yeah. something that's untapped. It, you know, people don't know about it, and right. you're able it's to just, flip it in your own way. I I agree with that exactly. So 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 just just keep that in mind as I mentioned these projects to to sample. Um, mm -hmm. I'm gonna be really obvious. Number one would be James Brown. Boom. Off you know I mean? He 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 basically him and his bands or whatever, they played with such synchronization. I believe that's what made a lot of his samples really popular. Not yeah. just the breaks where it was open drums, but just generally. Cause because one of the things about sampling back in the day, when you used to sample something, the more synchronized say you took four bars. No, say you took two bars mm -hmm. of a sample. The more synchronized the, the playing is within that two bars, the better, the, the easier it is to loop. Right, right. And, and I mean? to build on top of it. Yeah. And don't forget, yeah. before before sampling got intricate, it was just looping. We were just right. taking from beat to beat, from the one to the three. You yeah. Know I mean? Yeah. So therefore, the more synchronized the, the original project, the, the better it would come out. So James Brown, he was he was in there, you know what I mean? He was in that pocket. Yeah, the whole so band fun. was in that pocket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, James Brown. Um, secondly, I'd say another band that was really great. Their New Orleans band called the Meters. The Meters. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Know the Meters. The Meters. Um, Alan Tucson was the leader of that band, I believe, and they and they they got a few quite a few albums out, and you'd know some of their samples if you heard it. Just straight up nasty. You know what I mean? Hold on. Did you Especially, say the Meters or the, the Meters? The, the Meters. M E T E R S. Okay. I thought I felt like I heard of a band called um, Amitus, A M E T U S. No, no the, 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 the meters, like M the T H E M E T E R S. Gotcha, gotcha. And they, they were New Orleans, but it was to my ears when when someone told me about them in like back in the day, and I listened to it, I was like, oh shoot, because of the drum sounds. You know what I mean? Mm. You you mm. know it if, when you when you hear it, you know it. it's real funky. Um, Another popular one, obviously, this is another obvious one, but that was just George Clinton Parliament Funkadelic. Do you know what I mean they 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 had so many different sounds and moments within their music? I mean, that's what that's Dre, that's all Dre, basically. That's all Dre. 
in the early yeah. days. That's that's his whole catalogue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and 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 the things I knew those projects from playing certain songs as a DJ. So I so I had uh, you know, One Nation Under a Groove is a is a class is a staple in all of DJing. You know what I mean? Fire. Yeah, not only Knee Deep and some other songs. Um, and then I remember certain songs like, uh, do you remember? Getting down just for Yeah, all that. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, what's that one that the, uh, DMX and Aaliyah did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like, that's that's a fun, that's a parliament or a funkadelic song. It's just they had some ill vibes. They, they were they were on something else. They it was on something. They else. presented themselves like they were on another planet, and they really were on yeah, another exactly. on another planet with it. That's exactly another band I liked to sample bits and pieces from. What uh, there's there's a few, but say let's say Cameo for example. Cameo. Cameo. Yeah, because of um, Cameo was introduced to most of us, especially people who were younger when they came out as a three-piece band with songs like candy uh-huh. um attack me with your love yeah those songs you know what i mean right yeah. classics and most people most people know cameo from there roger 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 blackman i think his name is or roger yeah roger blackman or something blackman don uh, not don blackman anyway but um as a collector i had this i had like the 12 piece and the the, the 13 piece cameo albums huh. rigor mortis you know which were which were very funky yeah full band full band very funky very funky lots lots of break samples bits and pieces same as earth wind of fire a lot of people know earth wind of fire from you know uh she's a shining star or september or whatever songs but but earth wind and fire man they were straight up jazz they were they were they were deep you know what I mean? one of the best the sounds on their albums one of the crazy. best so um let's say that, let's say that, that that that's that's a collection right there yeah exactly did i name that's, five yeah you named uh james brown yeah. uh the meters yeah um parliament yeah um cameo yeah and then finished out with earth wind and fire right there you go and, and and believe me when I say I could go on, especially if I, I had especially if I had my laptop or something in front of me. There's so many, yeah. so many great samples and yeah. you know, from from people. And that that was the thing about to be a D to be a sampling producer, you ha- you have to have access to to, to a collection. There's yeah. no way I listen to when I listen to Kanye samples on Spotify, I'm like his parents or somebody was around him that had a huge record collection had to yeah yeah you know because 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 a lot of your a lot of your time is spent it's like a, a regular producer who plays uh-huh. they'll spend the time on the keys working out different things or working out different things but with a with a hip-hop producer who's a sampler you spend your time doing this you're mm. you're, you're 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 going through records records yeah yeah you're going, Dro- you know I mean? dropping that needle you're dropping needles exactly yeah. looking oh, oh oh there's a bit there oh go back put it back put it back you know what I mean that that yeah. bit would work, you know, putting it together type of thing. So, yeah. So yeah, that, both that the, both are scientist level production yeah, methods. Both yeah are finding the fine tuned small details that yeah. somebody else doesn't hear. I feel like the rest of the world appreciates. 
you know, when they listen to a James Brown record, they appreciate it when they're dancing to a cameo record, but they don't understand mm. the, the, the scientific mathematical perfection mm. that lies within each measure mm. to make that song give you that feel. Mm -hmm. And somebody Absolutely. like your, somebody like yourself is delving deeper and deeper into that to then try to create another piece of art mm. from it. Exactly. Exactly. Fire. Fire. Exactly. Like you said, it's you could hear it pass you by. Two bars passes you by, and you think, "Oh, that sounded cool." Right. But then when you hear when you hear it repetitive, repetitively for thirty times, which is a, which is what a loop is, it gives you another feeling. And then when yeah. when someone adds a, another melody to it or another another rap rhythmically to it, something different rhythmically, to it, it takes it somewhere else, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, no, absolutely. And, and I, I'm actually I'm actually gonna listen to uh, the meters. I see the meters uh, anthology, Funkify yeah. Your Life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, uh, don't. Every, a lot of people did drum covers of this joint, Sissy Strut. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying, I was going to play it. That's one thing I got to figure out how to do uh, while we in the studio sometime is like when I want to play mm. the audio of something yep. without the video, because, you know, it's mm. tough walking down that line of what's copywritten because you just want to mm. you just want to give credit to it. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Well, you, you, wanna... you could just have. Why don't you just have an external like something separate? Separate what? A separate mic? No, a separate like a separate speaker, and then you run it from a separate phone or something. Yeah, I could do that. I don't know. Let me, try, you, let me try it real quick on my phone. Let me try it real quick on my phone. I'm, a, I'm just gonna search for um, the meters, sissy strut, right? Mm. Um, actually, no, I'll do the the original. Let me let me go to the actual album. Pull it up. All right. So after this uh, lovely advertisement that has to play before everything. I'll play it. Is this it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yo, we've all heard this and didn't even know. Yeah, exactly. I, I know I've heard this. Exactly. Yo, that's fire. Yeah, I mean that yeah, that's that's that, fire. That's one of those that's one of those groups, man. When 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 a guy put me onto them and I delved into their product, I was like, oh. Yo, this funk is, is different, man. Funk is yeah. It, it yeah, funk is is, is a different beast and i guess a lot of genres that came out of um you know people going through life's traumas mm. people existing in in tumultuous times th there's something about art that always finds a way to be at its most beautiful point mm. that that's it's it's interesting how how darkness in an artist's life will lead to the art shining so bright. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I was just listening to Dion Cole talk about that in his special matter of fact, that he um, you know, he lost his 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 mom mm. last year. And oh, wow. his mom his mom uh Charlene. And 
you know, respect, rest in peace to to to, to Mama Charlene. And um, mm. he he had his special. They scheduled it on the same the one year anniversary of his mom passing. And originally he didn't want to do it because of that. And he thought he was just going to be a wreck. And he finally decided to do it. And he did the entire show, one of his best specials ever. Mm. And he was saying at the end when, you know, they do like the, the you know, they want to encore, came back out and told people that like, this was one of the hardest nights of his life. Mm. And he was talking about how, you know, y'all got to support and give a lot of comedians love and a lot of these artists love because you don't know how much of their life they put to the side to come and give you mm. something amazing. Mm. And, you know, he was just basically like a call to action for support and love. You know what I mean? Especially to um, the, 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 the comedy community. Mm. And that is very similar to what, what I think about when I listen to blues music, when I listen to early hip hop music, when I listen to um, funk music, it's like, the people of the people that are doing that are creating this music, mm. they ain't having the time of their lives right now. Mm. Right, right. You right. know what I'm saying? They're, they're mean, not in the greatest place ever right mm. now. But but they're they provided us something that allowed us to be in one of our best places when we're listening to and experiencing mm. that that art, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, pain pain produces that, you know. Right. Pain produces that, and um, that was part of the, the greatness I feel about the the old way of making music. Um, it wasn't perfected, right? It, it it was more of a capture situation. It would capture stuff, right? You know, it, even going back before samplers and stuff, where where people, where the James Browns of the world used to just walk in the studio with a band, and they would just like play it down as a recording. Hmm. So therefore, there were imperfections within within the music that, that became perfect. Uh, Marvin right. Gaye's a, a good example of that. You know, a lot of his albums you listen to, and it's just a vibe, you know. And and you're capture. And here's a obviously there's a guy that we knew obviously later we knew even more that he had so much pain in his in so his much. life, in his life, you know, and that was caught. And yeah, as you said, the, their pain brings us pleasure, enjoyment, yeah. appreciation of of them. Um, yeah. you know, without sounding old, it's it's definitely not as present in a lot of today's music. I think I think a lot of us, not us. I mean, I, I think today a lot of people, artists, are, are producing and creating from a quite privileged position. Yeah, you know? it it feels like it happens on two planes nowadays, more or less. It's like you either have the artists that are eating and and that's what they rap about they rap about mm -hmm. and this is you know been synonymous since you know going back to curtis blow i mean rappers have always rapped about mm. you know material things the difference yeah. is a lot of times back then they didn't really have it they were just kind of rapping more mm. prophetically well mm. i guess in the prophetic ideal of hip-hop as a as a single body it did mm. prophesy itself because now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these these that rappers are actually, you know, living that kind of lifestyle. So when they talk about, you know, Lear jets and yachts and mm. and champagne and hot tubs and mansions, like they really live in that life. And I feel mm. like nowadays it either happens on that plane and they're honest about where they are, or it happens on the plane where 
you know, um, where it's a lot darker. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They rapping about killing. They rapping about who they hate. They rapping about um, mm. suicide. They rapping about, mm. you know, mental health issues. And, and but they're being honest to that. And that's one thing that that through the past decade, I've, I've finally come to the realization that this new rap music is still hip hop. I had a hard time calling it that mm. during during some of the early um, Soldier Boy era mm. music. I had a hard time looking at that as hip hop because it didn't feel like the hip hop culture. But one thing that is synonymous with every element of hip hop that we know is mm. honesty. Mm. Honesty. And so whether I like the the final product all the time i ain't like the final product of every 90s record i didn't like the mm. final product of every even the artists that i love like a, a nas i don't like every artist nas song mm. i don't like every j song I, mm. I i don't so i i can't put that same you know level of, of of criticism over the new wave but one thing i will say is that is that they are just as honest mm. in their current state as hip-hop has always been so if drill music is their honesty not that i love it or glorify it they're being honest mm. they saying yeah. yo i'm coming after you i don't like you i know what you that's just hip-hop yeah. at its course at its at its at its core which is why i think hip-hop and country music are more similar than people realize because they look at the artists they think they're so different you know what I mean? They're like, you know, night and day, no pun intended. But in reality, there is a very uh, honest portrayal of lifestyle and current conditions that hip hop and country music have always operated in. Mm. And uh, yeah, I guess we can get but, into that another time. Honesty and telling your, your true story. Right. Yeah. Being straight up about it. Yeah. Well, I was going to, we were going to transition into real estate, but I know we don't have uh, a ton of time. You know, the, the show has been going deep into music. We got some like, like an incredible top five that uh, mm. uh, if anybody out there has um, any questions about any person or group in that top five, mm. in that top five from uh, number one, James Brown, number two, the meters, Number three, Parliament. Number four, Cameo. Number five, Earth, Wind, and Fire. If you don't know, you need to go find out. If you love music, I ain't saying if you love black music, rap music, soul, period. If you love music, go listen. Yeah. There will absolutely. be something from each of those uh, acts that, that brings you some level of joy that, that you can tap into. Mm. Absolutely. So, with that being said, do you want to talk about real estate now or you want to get into that another day? I mean, we could do a quick a quick summary of real estate. Okay, okay. Um, you know, we, we always want to get there because you know we all know that like the... home ownership is 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 huge, yeah. something that's on the rise. It it's it is the American dream per se. Yeah, but we all we also know that that it has been um somewhat predatory in certain years, but yeah. I don't think that should change the overall goal. And my man roger drakes knows real estate through and through more than anybody i know not only an agent but a broker 
a true professional in, in every right. Speak on the real estate market right now. Yeah, it's like a like another transition. I should have left and put a shirt on and came back as a different person now <laughs> because uh, I am the same person. Yeah. But one of the beauties of growing, I believe, is is gathering more wisdom, understanding, uh, and and maturing in a way that's dignified, which is something I do. I do feel a way when I see Big Daddy Kane. Not so much him though. Definitely Rakim. Um, some of them. When I see some of them from my my era, who I really love and respect. Yeah. But they're not presenting like men properly. It, it, mm. More in a more in appearance. Yeah. Red man, red man. To a degree, even though he might be a bit younger, it's almost like I I felt with my career as I as I grew and as I grew as a person, I wanted to. Um, I wanted to make sure I represent uh, as a man, as an adult now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Not as this yeah. young 28-year-old who's into hip-hop doing music, regardless. Right. Honest. So, um, See, there it is again. Honest. You yeah. want to be honest to exactly where you yeah, are right now. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, because uh, I realized that um, what happened was, as, as, a, as my DJ Dodge persona as such, which is what it is, I guess, as it, as it changed over the years, it went from being an asset to being a liability or, or mm. something that caused me less pleasure, discomfort to a point. Hmm. Do you know I mean? Okay. Because of, because of, uh, you know, I guess the expectations of delivering to the same level you've always delivered to, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It can, it can, it's, it's, you know, it can create something else in you. When I, when I talk about it, sometimes I, I've mentioned a few times that Andre 3000 has done a couple of interviews where he's spoken about music. And I and I, I felt that that was the closest description that kind of matched the way I felt during during the later years. So we're talking we're talking like 2014 now, 2015, 2016. So I mean, after I've been doing music in America for maybe five or six years, and you know, I'm not really, I'm nothing's really happening. I'm just I'm just playing I'm just playing around. Nothing's really happening. Um, and and then feelings kind of change towards it. See what I mean? Because mm, it's almost yeah. like well, you're not you're not in a position anymore to sit in a room and just do it for for pleasure. Even yeah. though you're getting even though you're getting off on it and it sounds great and you're loving it, you're just not in a position to do it for pleasure anymore because yeah. you have to you have to step into another area as a man. And that's a hard transition, man. Right. That's it's a hard really transition. Hard. Yeah. It's really hard. And 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 then and then I didn't want to go. To, you know, even though I was a DJ and I'm used to clubs. I didn't want to be out in the club at 45 shopping a demo or talking to somebody about listening to my pro project. See what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in a VIP lounge with, you know, and, and so, so a lot of, a lot of it came together where the transition from say music to a, a, another profession, real estate made, made a made so much sense. It was, I didn't even hesitate because it was a grad, it was a gradual transition. And my faith spoke to me and said, "No, you, you know, this is it. This, this, this is what you're doing now." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so uh, in 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 LA between say 2010 and 2014, I worked for I worked for a foreclosure investor, and they used to buy buy and sell properties during the crash time and thereafter at at, at the courthouses. So I I 
had a, a really good kind of apprenticeship stroke baptism to the US real estate market via yeah. that. I was in deep. I was doing uh, like title inspections, home, home visual inspections, bidding at foreclosure court on properties, uh, three-day evictions and unlawful detainer notice at the courthouse, that type of stuff, getting people out. All that kind of stuff. You were, you were in all of it. Yeah, I was in all of it for the first four or five years. So talking, talking so to homeowners, knocking on sure. doors, all, all that, that. So driving all neighborhoods. That. Exactly, and I and I was doing all that without even thinking I'm going to be an agent. Mm. I was just doing all that, and I was thinking my mindset back then was like, you know, investment. This yeah, is, this, be an investor. You know, I, I want to be an investor. I want to build. Yeah. I want to develop and remodel and do all that kind of stuff. So, but then, but then the market got better, fixed up, and then a lot of the, the companies I was working with pulled out. So therefore, it was almost like, okay, what's the next step? And the next step was get a license, a sales license, become a realtor, and then see if I could start helping people, you know, purchase, buy and sell homes, which was, oh, I never even, I never even thought it was going to be difficult. But I did, I did, I always knew from a, from a personality standpoint, it was another challenge I had to break through. Hmm. Because of, because even though I'm talking here now and I'm rapping away and I, and I, I'm, I'm, I did TV shows. I did all kinds of stuff on in the past. I, I, I still wasn't naturally. I didn't naturally gravitate to, you know, speaking to people. Yeah. Like crowds, and I, I get an energy like a nervous energy, and I'd kind of be like, ah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get that. And it, and and to be a realtor, you got to do it to hundreds of people over and over again all the time. All the time. You know what I mean? And 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 people are. Because because the stakes are so high, mm. they are literally hanging on every word. So you got to be on point because yeah. they, they will come back. Oh, I thought you said rates would be. Hold on. I thought you said this house would. Right. I thought you said the buyer. Anything anything that's off in real estate, it takes it takes 110% confidence Yeah, to go, to go into a listing appointment with people you don't really know and walk out with a contract to sell their house and sell it and close it. It takes one hundred and ten percent confidence. Gotta have so it. I, so I was like, um, okay, there's there's ways of building confidence. You know, it can be innately in you to not be super confident. But take me back to when I was making music. Do you know what I mean that's and that's that's the energy I draw on because of, like I said, I didn't I, didn't, I never fought for a situation. I was just confident. I had the product. I knew what I was doing. I knew everything about the product, and that's where the confidence comes from. So, so I've adopt, I've adopted that same mentality in my real estate in order to, in order to be great and do yeah. things and buy and sell homes. Learn, learn, learn. it, start, study learn it. it, be in it. You know what I mean? Be a student. Be yeah. a student. Exactly. Every single day, all the time, up to now. I mean, I'm ten years in now, and I've I've sold. I think I'm I'm about thirty five properties I've sold, which isn't a lot for ten years, because that's only like three a year. But it's right. still third. It's still thirty-five properties. If I was a new agent, that would be a massive amount of properties. That's and huge. within those within those properties, there's been uh, probably about fifty different experiences because there were ones that didn't sell. Right. So therefore, so therefore, I've, you know, you learn as much from the ones that don't work as the ones that do work. You know Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Uh, so there's a massive amount of experiences as far as buying and selling real estate. Not to mention my own properties where I've become a homeowner during that period. So therefore, I've been blessed to understand it from the homeowner's side you know what I mean yeah in other words in other words I know what it's like to, to have to maintain and run a property or whatever so you know I can I can I'm not just selling you a home I can, I can advise you on what exactly how it's going to feel five years from now mm. thing, you know what I mean yeah um 
and all all these other all these other little things you learn but ultimately confidence and like i said confidence is learning it knowing it being it experiencing it having experienced it for yourself um and then and then the rest hopefully will just fall into place but and what what sorry go ahead i was gonna say it sounds like there, there's a there's a common thread in you and i don't know if you hear it or not but there's, there's a similarity to you as a producer or you as a dj as you um, being in the real estate market, being an agent, because uh, in talking about remixing, we talked about the the science of the the little things, like paying mm. attention to the nuances. Mm. And you even said, once I make something, as long as I like it, mm. it didn't matter what else happened. And mm. what you just said about the process of of working with different homes, you said it doesn't matter if it's sold you still learn something through the mm. process. So mm. I think your ability to be in love with the process, to pay attention to the process, to mm. be a student of the nuances of selling a house, how do I present myself? How mm. do I come across? How do I speak? How, what do I know about it? Mm. All the way over to, to DJing, how many records have I actually looked into? Have I paid attention to what time stretching is really going to do with this mm. particular vocal? What What is the story I want to tell with this remix? All of it says, like, I'm being a student of the product before the product gets to the public. Mm. Before the product gets in front of the, the person that wants to buy into it, I was already into the weeds of this thing, figuring this thing out. So, like you said, 110% confidence when I go into this meeting, also 110% confidence when I ship you part one and part two of mm. this uh yeah. take let's take a walk yeah. remix. Yeah, absolutely. Cause uh the character you build stays with you wherever you go. How you do so, anything is how you do everything. How you exact exactly. So yes, like I said, I I did a like a, if I'm doing a lease, for example, leases don't pay that well in in comparison to sales. Mm -hmm. Every agent knows that. But I treat every single situation with the same energy and I go at it at the same speed and, 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 I, and I drive to wherever I need to drive to to work on it as far as real estate. Um, because to me, it's just, that's how, that's, it's just the energy. It's just how you are. I mean, why would you, why would you drop off because of it's a lower check? You know what I mean? Right, right. Especially, especially, when it's, you, especially when you actually genuinely do love the process. Yeah. You know what I mean? I did at least the other day and it was a we closed it straight away but i still shot a video for it and i still obviously i'm putting stuff out marketing material for me is good but i also do it because i love to put the drone up and play with it yeah. i love to jump i'd love to jump on my computer and edit the drone video and put some music to it you know I me mean? right. and to me that's, that's the part joy that's the joy that's yeah. part of the passion and part of the process so i'm not i'm not missing out on that just because of there's no check behind it right you know what i mean right that's the you know and um and and like I said, and when I have a bigger listing now that's, that I know is going to net me 20, 30, 40 grand or whatever, the energy is there. It's the same energy. I'm yeah. not I'm not doing it thinking, wow, this check, this check. I'm doing it because of I want to. I want them pictures. I want them lines to be straight in that shot. Yeah. You know I, mean? I don't I don't want it to look like an amateur photographer did it. Yeah. You know what I mean, I'm I'm on Photoshop. I'm skewing pictures. I'm pulling out a photograph in the oh there's a, there's something in the person's house in the background. I don't like the look of that. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on uh, Photoshop pulling out stuff of a, of a picture that no one's gonna notice. Right, right. I think it's, I don't think people understand though what you're saying. It's like you, you, it's hard to tap into the beauty of 
uh, of an artist's mind. And right. that, that's really what you're bringing to real estate. It, it's like mm. this integrity of an artist that like, I'm going to put everything I have or can into this piece of music. Mm. It, so by the time it comes out, I love it. Mm. I'm, I'm never going to just give you something. You love it. And I hate it. Mm. And I'm sitting there like, I have to live with this thing being in the world mm. that I just absolutely feel like nothing about mm. like you're putting a artist level love and passion and energy into producing marketing materials for real estate. Mm. And I, I, I could only imagine, and I know, cause I've seen them that mm. the same way that, you know, your top five put their passion into each song and how you put passion into your remixes and why you were so sought out at such a high level so fast, mm. all of that same exact energy, as they say, creatives don't stop. We just kind of change where the energy goes. Mm. All that same energy exists in your flyer for this new home that's for yeah. sale. Yeah. I'm looking at it like a piece of work, a piece of art. You know what I mean? Which people, is dope. And that's emotional. It, it, yeah, if people and home buying is emotional. Absolutely. I'm like if people don't read the flyer or they don't they don't they don't connect with the information on the flyer, they're gonna yeah. feel that they're gonna feel it. Yeah. yeah. They're gonna look at it and they're gonna feel it. They're gonna say, Oh, that looks that you know, we're in a visual world now, especially since Instagram and everything else. They're gonna oh that's that that I feel that feels good. Yeah, something about it. They'll be drawn about it. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I mean so that's it. That's it with the real estate. The market itself. People always ask me how the market is and stuff. That's a really popular question with real estate, and um, most of the time they kind of know the answer because so much of the information now is publicized. Whether it be interest rates on the news that are high, people know the interest rates are high. People know that California period has been in low low inventory for years now, but there's not enough homes to buy. Scarcity, which which is kind of good in a high interest rate market because it holds. It means the prices won't dip too much. You know what I mean? Hmm. Because every property is still, you know, it's, it's intrinsic value. It's, it's intrinsic value won't drop too low as long as there's nothing else to buy. So, I mean, it's like a glass of right. water. How much is a glass of water worth? So if there's only one, it's worth a billion dollars. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's, um, a, fact. that's a fact. So, uh, so yeah, so that's that's the market, basically. But it's it's actually it's actually changed more to a normalized market. Once the interest rates go down, especially because of prior to 2023, it was an abnormal market where things just kept going up, going up at a higher rate than they usually go up. Yeah. And obviously everything that goes up must come down or stop at some down. point. Yeah. Right. So, so it's kind of changing over to that. There's still a few major issues, I guess, if you're an agent, as far as, uh, the amount of agents there are as far as you know agents per per sale like yeah. for example you know say say five homes sold this week in sherman oaks for example say if say five homes sold but there, but there's probably like maybe ten thousand agents who live in sherman oaks right see i mean it's it's kind of that that huge disparity yeah that's huge because that's ultimately huge. yeah ultimately there, there's not enough supply for the demand as far as agents yeah. So a lot so a lot of agents are quitting this year. Like mm. since between January and now, which is uh the seven months in July, a lot of agents I'm reading have quit, like as much as thirty percent of have gone to, you know, they may they may not have 
you don't you don't delete your license you just let it expire but they've gone on to do other things you know their day-to-day now doesn't look like they're chasing real estate they, they've gone on to do either a job or doing another career or working on something else because of it's that tough it's that tough for us the agents to do sales i haven't done one sale in 2023 wow you know what I mean? but just like with the djing and the music before like i said i have other things going on therefore i'm okay you know? yeah yeah, yeah, that no. makes sense. Yeah, so, so I know there's, you know, uh, going to be a lot of people in different walks of life that are listening to this. And depending on when they're listening, mm. uh, the facts that we give about the market as it stands today may not even be the same. You could be listening to this in 2045. Right. That's what I mean, yeah. And, and I mean. it don't even, this this sounds old. But mm. for, for someone that is watching or listening right now, um everybody's lifestyle might be a little different. You got people that are looking to buy their first home, people looking to buy their third or fourth, people that are currently renting, people are thinking about selling, people are thinking about buying a rental property and getting a renter. So I'm going to go through a few lightning questions and let's see just how you, your, your idea of how to direct those people as far as like your suggestions of what they should be doing. So number one, uh, if someone is currently renting, what's the best next move for them? Buy something. Buy something. Okay. If you're renting, buy something. If you as own, soon as possible. If you just bought your first home and you mm-hmm. only own that one home right now, obviously all this is kind of like California market. Though mm-hmm. all the markets are, you know, kind of touch on each other. We're, we're mm-hmm. kind of being specific to California. You own one home right mm-hmm. now. What should you do? Buy buy something a rental, buy a second home. There you go. Yeah, D- double down, double yeah. down. All right, you are um, thinking you you own a home, but you're thinking about getting a renter to to put in that home. Should you go rent somewhere else, or should you buy somewhere else? Buy somewhere else. <laughs> and all things lead to buy something. I like it. Yeah. Um, okay, so. If you are looking, since we keep going down buying, if you're looking to buy, um, what are your suggested steps to someone maybe who's never purchased a house before? Step one, all the way to the day of buying the house as succinctly and, and condensed as you can give them those steps. Okay. Get your credit score good, FICO score. Because everything goes against your name. Your FICO score is equally as important as how much money you have. It's your uh, it's your it's your credibility card. If you've got a low FICO score, that's the first thing you have to fix. Get it above seven twenty, preferably seven twenty plus. Seven fifty is great. Seven eighty, you're you're in you're in a good area. That's the main thing. No lender is going to give you a good deal with a low credit low credit score. Anything with a low credit score you can get is going to be a like a you know slightly higher more expensive deal as far as lending secondly save as much cash as you can now obviously that's a tough one because of if you're earning and you're paying rent sometimes it's hard to save because as you know that you know the, the general rule of thumb is we shouldn't spend more than 30 percent of our income on our roof over our head but it doesn't work like that especially in california Especially. So there's many, there's many people out there spending 60% plus, 60% on their rent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rents, rents, are, exp- rents are expensive. When you have a 4000 a month rent, 
swimming or whatever it is that's that's that could be a good chunk of somebody's monthly income yeah um but ultimately you need a deposit of some kind to get a good loan now there are no deposit loans but ultimately the more cash you have to put in skin in the game the one the lower your monthlies will be and two the more you have control over you know the house and your and your and your money because if you have money in it instant equities in it see what i mean and yep. think of it think of it another way any 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 money you save up and you put into a project all you're doing is putting your your cash into a very it's like putting your cash into a very high interest account where you're going to mm. where 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 one it's very safe probably more safe than the bank and two it's going to it's going to grow better for you than if you left it anywhere else so right. so don't don't consider it like i saved 100 grand shit i'm going to lose it now on this house i'm about to put it into this house no it's there it's always there for you and it will right. and it will and it will grow um so that's one credit score two get some cash and then the, the next step after that is easy it's just find a lender find somebody who based on what you have circumstantial wise your job obviously you want to make sure you have regular income or can prove regular income if you're self-employed w2s uh tax returns that type of stuff prove what's coming in then the next step is obviously just find the lender to prove you for an amount that you can offer on a property for and that's it it's it's super it's one of the things I've, i believe that people do have as a complicated thing in their head yeah because because the home ownership scene is such a big step for people especially when you're younger right but absolutely. it's not it's you know if, if you if you studied and went to college and got through a few tests and you know everyone goes through some kind of test at some point in life it's no different to that just getting you just get some paperwork and you get your ducks in a row and you have to deal with it you know um the 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 financial side is more i guess more determination because ultimately if your income isn't great you know i sound like dave dave ramsey here but you income is king you have to prioritize getting that steady and getting it up right i mean if you you bring you need that anyway so you can keep the house that's what i'm saying and it's, and it's not like you don't need that to rent somewhere right True. you need that you, you're doing it you're going to do it anyway so why True. not try and you just always be trying to do it to the highest level because of the more regular it is and the more higher it is will determine the moves you can make especially and especially if you're younger as well because of when you have more energy creatively physically um you know more freedom maybe if you don't have a family and kids it's the best time to really you know build that yeah because it get it does get harder as you get older you know what i mean yeah absolutely you know so so yeah that that's that's my advice to top the... top top three things that's great that's yeah three and steps the, the, credit the re... right. cash for deposit and then get pre-qualified find yeah, a exactly. and buy yeah and then buy buy call me and then we go, we go buy <laughs> there, yeah? there you go there you go and, and, the, and the reason the reason i always went back to buy just so yeah. I, I don't want to i don't want it to sound like i'm um just skipping stuff and just going for whatever mm-hmm. the reason i always go back to buy is because of one the home you live in is not a, is not pure investment so the one the first property you buy when you live in it even though you're, you're going to experience uh benefits from equity and appreciation over time if you live in there long enough you're going to experience all of that but it's still not 100% investment because you pay to live there. Right. So, I mean, even though you're paying down your mortgage, you're still paying to live there. So you still need your income to pay it. Whereas your first rental now that you that you buy separate to your home becomes 100% a business investment. 
Right. It's like like ideally it shouldn't cost you a cent. Even if it's only even if it's making you a hundred bucks a month, it's still an investment. True. And over time it will make you more. True. And and not I, a lot of investments. It's hard to find an investment that makes you a hundred dollars a month. Like exactly, some people yeah. might look at that like, man, I bought this whole house and this and that and the other is this investment property. I only make a hundred dollars. Well, name another place mm. you can put your money and yeah, see a hundred dollar yeah. increase every yeah. month. It ain't happening. Every, and it definitely yeah, not yeah, happening right. at your bank. Exactly. Precisely. At all. And and after and over time that, that hundred would turn into five hundred, would turn into a thousand. You know what I mean? Right. You know, I, I we we bought a property, my wife and I personally bought a property where we were paying a five hundred a month for a couple of years at least. Yeah, until we until we refied, and and then the rents went up, and that, now that same property is giving us about a thousand a month. And uh, and you know, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you you know, so say say that's twelve grand a year from one property, take off maybe two or three grand for repairs you may have to do because I did right. I did a couple of things, but yeah. it's still it's still nine. Yeah, that's big. You know I mean? And again, right. most investments ain't gonna see Don't you get, ain't gonna see no, nine thousand dollars from anywhere. No. The, at all, you know how much money. It, you unless to you put in, in a million dollars, you, you right? You have to, <laughs> exactly. You have, you'd have to leave a million dollars in cash, right? In in the in the average bank to probably get that, right? Absolutely. So all right. So so um, so those are three steps of what to do. I want to hear some things not to do. You've been involved in a lot of real estate transactions. You talked to tons of buyers and sellers and renters. W what things have you seen? first-time buyers get stuck on what do you see what, what mistakes have you seen them make that you're like man this happens over and over and over if i had to give somebody a list of do not do these things what would that be um because real estate to me is is a is one of the safest bets just because i know it well there's it's, it's probably a bit more difficult for me to come up with the five do nots, but um, there's a couple of obvious ones. Like um, as you're on the road to buying a property and fixing up your general uh, financial numbers and situation, you, you really, you really have to not buy anything. Don't purchase anything big. Don't purchase and, anything. And that, what is, What's big over what is there a dollar amount that comes yeah, to mind? Anything that's over say five hundred dollars in terms mm. of in terms of like a, a credit purchase. Credit you have, wise, you have, okay. you, have, you have to stop. Yeah, definitely don't purchase like anything big for the house or anything like a car or anything like that. You have to don't do that because people have done that before while they've been in the process, and it's messed up the process. When you're buying a property, a lender will check. They check you at the beginning of the process, say thirty days. And then, and then when you go into escrow, before they actually fund the property, they'll also run some more checks. Hmm. And if they see that you just bought a car while you're in the middle of escrow and, and if, you know, so, that, so therefore the, the numbers you had at the beginning aren't the same now, there's, there's, there's an added expense of $300 a month. It changes all the numbers and they may pull your loan. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah. That's so, a great one. So, so that's, so that's a good one. Let, major that's, purchase. That's, yeah, that's more lenders will tell you that. Once once they qualify you and you're pre-qualified and you're you're looking for your house, don't buy anything that will change your credit score negatively. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. So that's that because people have done that and messed up on a on a property before. Um, second thing is when you when you do buy something, make sure you d don't scrimp on inspections. Hmm. 
a lot of agents will say, uh, you know, agents, some agents, yeah. there's, there's brilliant agents, but there's some are just not as thorough or just not as experienced. And they will say, okay, you do your general inspection, you check out the house properly, um, you see what's up. If it all looks good, depending on the type of house, of course, um, it's fine, good to go. But I was always, I, I, my mindset is always depending on the type, the type of house and where the house situated, the year it was built and everything. If you have any sniff or any inkling of anything that needs further inspection, make sure you check it because that could be costly down the line if you don't. See what I mean? Yep. Um, there's a few standards. Obviously, you do a general inspection. There's roofing. There's foundation. There's things like sewer line. If the house has a fireplace, check or check chimneys because chimneys are quite expensive to repair. If the house has a pool, check check the pool is not leaking or things of that nature because um, those are all things that are twenty thousand dollars plus to fix. See what I mean? And now, are these uh, all different inspectors that they have to get, or is this like one? Well, or... Yeah, that, no, these are different inspectors. That's what I mean. That's what, that's why I say you you have your general inspection. Then anything he kind of says, hey, check that out. You have, you have to make a decision then whether to check it out or not. And I always advise clients check everything out. Yeah. See, because your general inspection say five hundred bucks, for example. And then each other inspection, inspection wise, will be probably the same. Mm. So, if, so, so if that, you have four, yeah. So if you have four inspections on four different things, because don't forget the general inspector is not a specialist in all the other stuff. He could look at the roof, or he or she could look at the roof, but they're not a roofer. They're not a specialist, um, and they definitely can't quote accurately on what it might cost to repair. Hmm. So, so when buying, I always say, you know, within reason, check out as much as you can. And obviously, they, you they kind of have to weigh that against your second to-do item, which was getting their cash up. So if you feel like you pretty much just got enough to kind of mm. get across the the down mm. payment, you know, mm. finish line, mm. then maybe $3,000 of inspections, you got to start mm. looking at, can I do yeah. that? You can't yeah, use exactly. credit. Don't try to use your credit card. Can't yeah, do that exactly. either. So exactly, you, yeah. You got to weigh that out. And and, and every, everything is obviously weighed up because ultimately – the three thousand, the three thousand dollars of inspections you can get back if stuff is found, because then you can gotcha. use that part. You can use that as part of your negotiation and get it off of the price. Gotcha. You know I mean? Um, yeah. If something's so, found, you get that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. it's more, it's more, it's more a case of trying to protect yourself against uh, horrible costs that you didn't know about. Yeah. A year after ownership or whatever, you know. Yeah, because yeah, that, yeah. that's the one thing about home ownership, which is, you know, it's not a negative in any way, but it's, it's people have to understand the differences between owning a property and and renting somewhere. You, there's a load more responsibilities on top of your mortgage that come with own, ownership. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's all it's all yours, basically. So, yeah, everything, everything's an issue. Like right now, even in my backyard here, we've got like trees that are an issue, that are two thousand dollars worth of chopping stuff down wow to, to make sure that you know they don't go yeah. out of control so right. so yeah so yeah it's not like i said I, I i i'm an advocate for ownership so there's not really that many do nots yeah you know and if you if you're working Gosh, with someone it's... like my, if you're working with someone like myself you you're not going to land in hot water you're not going to land in the hot water that i hear about some people do because experience and uh professionalism help you to avoid that you know what i mean well i i can vouch i can vouch for that because insider insider secret 
Roger Drake's was the realtor for our first purchase, which is where we are right now. And he handled the process beautifully. He took a lot of the pressure off of myself and my wife. He carried us through our first time buyer's process effortlessly with all the information necessary and, and made it not feel, you know, like, like a big deal. I mean, it was, of course, me, you know, me and my wife had the, what she likes, what I don't like, and this and yeah. that, and neighborhood. That's that's what's gonna happen. That's part of the process. Get ready for it, fellas. That's yeah, part of the exactly. process. Yeah, but, I had it too. I had it too. And I right, I right. You, that, that part you ain't gonna get around that. That that just yeah. is what it is. Yeah. But to have a professional with you that can take out that other stuff that can th that can hem you up that you wouldn't have known. That, that can stand in front of roadblocks or or caution you about roadblocks that you might have just slammed into with a different realtor or trying to do it yourself. You don't realize how how much um, how much benefit, how much peace <laughs> that that having the right person can add to the process. It turns um, it turns their their minute fee. To being well worth it, you'd, you'd you'd pay them double if you could, if you knew all the legwork that they took out of the process for you to make it that much easier and to make your uh, home per home buying journey, you know, that much better and memorable. So yeah. we thank you, appreciate yeah, I, you. I, I, I thank you for the opportunity because, like I said, it doesn't matter. I don't work to a price point. I work to, you know, fulfill the goal and and fulfill the mission. And 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 it, and it, that that mission is even more important when it's with people that I love and care for and have known. You know, I know their family dynamic. I, I know their kids. It's a whole different ball game. Then it's like, no, yeah. we, we we're doing something here. You know what I mean? It's important. So, oh yeah, thanks I, for the I opportunity. My, I told my wife the moment we decided we were doing it. I'm like, all right, well, you know who our realtor is. She was like, I already know. Oh, <laughs> there, was you know. no, there was no hesitation that was probably the easiest part of the whole process right, you know right. us, <laughs> is who's gonna do it oh we know and yeah. so now we just call him let him know and then we, we we get it moving so anybody out there in the la area if you are listening now or anytime in the next hundred years because i know he's gonna keep doing it keep making families happy keep keep adding to, to to families portfolios and showing people how uh real estate is the proper investment for not only today but for your children's tomorrow for us as a culture and community this is the guy this is the guy we'll put his contact information uh in the description but just so people can hear it if they're listening to us on on apple podcast how can they reach you roger drakes uh just Google Roger Drake's. It's, that's the easiest way. Drake's Estate, LA is the is the name I use, but I'm a, I'm I'm a, I'm very social, so just Google Roger Drake's and everything will come up. Just Roger and, Drake's Realtor, you'll see everything. Instagram. And that's R O G E R, not R O D G E R. Yeah, no no D. R O G E R then Drake's, like like the rapper with an S. There you go, Drake's. Well, sir, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate you, my friend. The, the the incomparable DJ Dodge, aka yes, the aka the 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 real estate mogul Roger Drakes here. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man. Episode eight, yo, pod is good all the time and all the time. Pod is good. <laughs>
All right, y'all. Signing out. Thank you, my homie. Be easy. I'll talk All to right. you soon, bro. All right, man. All right, peace Take out. Care.